0: It's got to be one of my favorite passages of the entire Bible, uh, what we just read there. And uh, I'm going to challenge you this week to read it again and again. Uh, Because I believe that God has uh, spoken to us His Word and it is so important for us to receive it into our lives and then appropriate what He says into our lives. Because if we just let it go in one ear and out the other ear... It really doesn't do any good for us, does it? There's something supernatural, but something supernatural can happen when the Holy Spirit takes the word of God, applies it to our life, and then empowers us to live for Christ in a way that we could never do in our own strength. And, you know, there's so many ways that the Holy Spirit can do that. But one of the main ways is for us to look into God's word and then live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this last uh, four messages that I've given to you, they're really about our theme for this year, living life in the Holy Spirit. And so it's so important for us to understand this and to Take an evaluation of our life. Are we living life in our flesh, our own human effort? Or are we living life in the power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, The Holy Spirit's ministry is so clearly taught by Jesus. Jesus emphasized it over and over again that the Holy Spirit would come and enter into our lives and give us an understanding of who we are in Christ, so our identity as his dear children. He would give us a purpose and a motivation for living. There would be a unique ministry that God would give each of us, and then together collectively. And then he motivates us to appropriate the victory that Christ won at the cross and then live it out. And so the Apostle Paul, he understood this. But he also understood that he was in a spiritual battle too, right? I mean, it is not easy to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit in a world that is trying to pull us away from everything but that. And so we have to understand what God wants us to do, how He wants us to relate to Him. Uh, Living life in the Holy Spirit... um, Let's see, let's see, put this on here. It's not enough for us to have the Spirit. The Spirit must have us. Warren Wurstby said this. Only then can he share with us the abundant, victorious life that can be ours in Christ. So it, has, it takes more than us at one time praying and asking Christ to come into our lives. Uh, and we have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit also has to have us. He has to have us. He has to have our attention. Um, I remember when I first met my wife and we were dating. Oh, man, were we in love? Let me tell you. We were in love. We had just started dating one of our first dates. uh, We went to a Christian concert together before the concert. I'm driving. We're in intense conversation. I just am listening to every word she is saying, and she's listening to every word I'm saying. I get ready to make a left-hand turn in my Volkswagen Beetle, which was pumpkin color. It was really nice. 1969 Beetle. And I'm driving, I'm really cool, and I make the left hand turn and I jump over the me- I didn't negotiate the turn, I'm such an intense conversation. I jump over the median, both of our heads hit the ceiling, and you know, and then I get hold of the car again and you know, I, I tried to be cool. I said, Oh, that's a bump there. <laughs> but it wasn't cool. My whole alignment went out, I was like fighting with the steering wheel the whole way home. So then, uh, after that, what happens is we have our second date and we're down at, uh, we uh, we go shopping together. And uh, again, we're in this intense conversation. We're just getting to know each other. You know, we're just sharing our lives with each other. We're sharing about the things that we really love, what we like, and we're talking back and forth. And um, so I pull in, you know, it's again driving, we're driving, I don't know why I get these stories about driving, but I'm driving, and all of a sudden I follow this car, and I'm following in the right lane, I go in the right lane, and I stop, I see the red light, and we're stopped, and we're still talking, then the light turns green, we're still talking, and then the light turns red again, we're still talking, and then I notice the the traffic is moving by me, I had pulled in behind a parked car, and I didn't know the guy was parked, And so I didn't even realize, I was in such intense conversation with this woman that I was falling in love with that I didn't even notice I was behind a parked car. But the real test of our relationship, it really came after the marriage, after three children, and uh, we are in the midst of uh, inner city ministry, I am... Just starting out in ministry, I am so intense. I want to do everything right. I'm really busy. And um, I come home one day and I notice a note on my dresser, and it's from Lori. And this is what she says Let me write to you, as I've always been writing in my quiet times, openly, honest. I just feel hurt. Should I? I don't know. Monday was the ball game. Tuesday was the Bible study. Wednesday was your staff meeting. Thursday was lunch at the Gadus. Uh, pr- then prayer with Bill. Friday was the youth group. Uh, Saturday was the Larson's over. Then you had teens over the night. I don't want to complain. I don't want to cling. I don't need you. And she underlined need. I want us to have some time together. I guess I'm just disappointed. I thought this night could be used for talking and prayer together. Now it's too late. What about prayer? Our prayer times are where? Please pray and ask God to show you when, underline when. We should have prayer times. Schedule us in, underlining us. Our marriage, Satan is trying to separate us. He's trying to draw us apart. Let's not let him. Praise God. I want and I believe you want us to have a good marriage. Let's put on the full armor of God and pray with and for each other. I love you. I don't know what I remember doing with that letter. It's funny because we found that letter in an old Bible of mine. It was on a little piece of paper about this big. And it was one note that Lori had put in there. But it was her heart that was honest with me. And sharing that the thing that we used to have got lost somehow. The relationship where we used to talk and communicate was no longer there. And so I had to take an evaluation of my life. And I did not change right away. Uh, Lori will tell you. (laughs) Al, you still struggle with that. I hope you tell people when you preach, you haven't conquered that problem. And I really haven't. But what I want us to understand is that your relationship and my relationship with God is like a marriage. It really is. And the communication that we have between us and God, he likens it to a marriage that is so close that He wants to be involved in our lives, in every aspect of our life. And you see, a good marriage is not about me. It's about us. And a good relationship led by the Holy Spirit with God is about us. It's about us being with God, in fellowship with God, and God speaking to us, and us speaking to God. And it's a two-way conversation. And it is so hard to get that in our lives in today's day and age because everything is screaming for our attention. And God wants our attention and he wants to speak into our lives. But we are just too full of noise sometimes to hear it. Somebody told me today, I said, what's the difference between the voice of the Holy Spirit and every other voice? And they said, the voice of the Holy Spirit is quiet. Fear shouts. The world shouts. Satan's shouts lies at us. But the Holy Spirit is a still, quiet voice. And to hear that, we have to be quiet. We have to give God our full attention. And I believe that God is calling us in this day and age to do that. Because I am telling you, there is a deception in this world that is affecting people. The Bible says in the end times, even the elect will be deceived. Even the elect will be deceived. And so how do we stop from doing that? It's by letting God speak to us through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe Romans chapter 8 is just one of the ways that God can speak to us. And that we can understand that we have Christ in us, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and that he has us. And somebody that did that all of his life was the Apostle Paul. You know, this was our golden verse, but he took what happened at the cross years before he had come to know Jesus. He wasn't one of the original disciples. He hadn't been taught by Jesus face to face. He was not one of the twelve. He had not been at the crucifixion. But what he did is he personalized the crucifixion into his life in such a way that it empowered him. He appropriated the things of Christ into his life and he said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I live in the body, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me, so I'm giving myself to God. Later on in that same book of the Bible in Galatians 2.20 and later on in Galatians chapter 5, 24 and 25. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, they crucify the flesh. What they do is through the Spirit, they're able to kill the things that pull them away from God. And then, they through the Spirit, they live by faith. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we crucify the flesh with its passions and its desires, and then we live in the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 tells us over and over again that we have this freedom, all these freedoms in Christ. There's freedom from guilt and shame, there's freedom to belong to God as his dearly loved children, to have some sort of sense of security and identity that we belong to God. There's so many people that aren't sure about their identity. We have an identity crisis in this world. We really do. The identity crisis is so, so powerful that people are questioning their gender today. People are questioning their gender. There is such an identity crisis in this world today that as believers, we are to find our identity in Jesus Christ. And He calls us to that. The Spirit is calling us. He's, he's whispering to us. And if we don't stop and listen, we can easily be deceived. But just as important is this, that you know we live in... Uh, uh, oh, there's, there's another freedom here. Freedom to face suffering and sacrifice with a new strength. That, that's something else that we talked about last time I preached, was that God wants us to understand that he can turn our groanings into glory. And today we're going to talk about the freedom to love God and others because we've been set free from the rejection of fear and failure. But just as important as we live in this fallen world with natural and spiritual dangers around us, the threat of disease, unforeseen circumstances happening around us, we see that with the coronavirus that has just become an epidemic now. The World Health Organization has, has uh, proclaimed it an epidemic, global epidemic. We saw this as we left church last Sunday, and I don't know if you turned the news on, but Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter crash, horrific hel- helicopter crash. We understand that the world that we live in is fallen. It's full of danger. It's full of suffering. It's difficult. And then the Apostle Paul was living in that type of world, and yet he tells us that we can have confidence in a relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says we can have total forgiveness, we can have a new identity in Christ, and even in suffering we can go through it with the Holy Spirit interceding for us with groanings that can't even be heard. But he's praying for us, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. And then the Apostle Paul He starts this next section in Romans and he concludes it and he says this. We know that in all things, say all things. things. We know that in all things God works. Say "God God works. For the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God is working. Now let me qualify what all things means it means everything. You know what all things means in the original Greek? All things. <laughs> yeah, all things God is working. He has the marvelous ability to work all things together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 21, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill His good purpose. So God has a purpose for you and I, and the Holy Spirit is working in us to show us what that purpose is, what the mission is, what he has for us to do, how he wants us to live. And the Holy Spirit is always working that in us. It's a theme throughout the Bible, that those who love God will be led and guided by him. And even when you're going through the most difficult of things, even when things are the The hardest, God is still working. He's still working. He's working all things together for good. We just had a Bible study in Genesis chapter 1. And it says, after every point of creation, God said, this is good. This is good. And God said, this is good. He was working the whole creation together for good. He doesn't stop doing that. He's still able to do the things that are difficult he can bring good out of in our lives it says that those who got those those who um, God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified. you see God begins. When you come to Christ, he begins this process that he is going to continue to keep on working in your life. All the way to heaven where you're glorified. (laughs) He hasn't stopped. You're in the process. I'm in the process. Now we can cooperate with that process. Or we can go our own way. But the more we cooperate with the process that God has us in... We're going to walk into the things that God has for us. They're good things. They're things with a purpose. They're things with a plan. They're things that He's predestined for us to walk into. And they're some of the most wonderful things that could possibly happen in your life if you walk with Him. If you look at Joseph's life in the Bible... And I'm talking about not Joseph and Mary, the, the parents of Jesus, but I'm talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. There's this story that's given almost half the book of the book of Genesis given to this man story, Joseph. Joseph had it rough. Joseph was chosen by his father. He was, his, he was the favorite of the family. He was given a coat of many colors. His brothers got jealous. They got so jealous, they hated him. And Joseph was so full of himself at that time that he would tell on his brothers if they did something wrong. And the father always believed Joseph and always was hard on the other ones, the, the ones that weren't the favorite son. And so one day they got together this scheme and they said, okay, I know what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of Joseph and our family. And so you know the story. They sold him as a slave. They wanted to kill him, but... Uh, ...these uh, Ishmaelites were coming by... ...and they sold him as a slave... ...and he ended up in Potiphar's house... ...he became a slave... ...separated from his family... ...in another country... ...totally different language... ...he had to learn... ...he didn't know Egyptian... ...he was a Hebrew... ...probably spoke Aramaic... ...and so... ...Joseph is, is... ...is in this other country... ...and so you know the story... ...he's framed... ...he's thrown in prison... And things happen to him one after the other. And throughout the the life of Joseph, there's one line that keeps appearing in the text and in the narrative. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Every time you see that. And eventually Joseph is taken out of prison by interpreting a dream. And so all of this is happening. And then years later... His brothers experience a famine in the land that they're living in. And their father sends them to Egypt to get food. And you know the story. When they meet Joseph, they don't recognize him. He doesn't look like the little brother they had thrown in the pit and sold as a slave. He's completely changed. And so, what does Joseph do? He has the power... To take revenge. He has the power to get even with these brothers who have done him harm. And instead of doing that, he forgives them. He actually forgives them. Wipes the slate clean. And then he says this. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He said that what had happened was that God actually had planned this whole thing out, had been working, even though his brothers intended to harm him and do evil to them, what they intended to do, God turned around for good. And you see that over and over in the Bible. You see that at the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, men plan and scheme. We have to get rid of this man. And they crucify him. It's all part of God's plan. Jesus was to die that type of death on the cross to pay for our sin. God worked it for good. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. And so the Apostle Paul, he's saying that, he's reminding us that, look at. If you're a believer in Christ, even though you may be going through something difficult, even though there may be a threat on your life, we don't even know what's going to happen with this coronavirus. It could become global. It could. It's possible. We don't even know what tomorrow holds. The Apostle Paul is saying something completely different. He's saying, but look it. You belong to God. Your life is in His hands. Do you believe that? And then he goes on to say this. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, Paul starts preaching now. He starts saying, look at If this is true, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? The Apostle Paul is is so thankful for what God has done by sending His Son. He goes on to another question. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? I mean, if somebody brings a charge against you... Last week, didn't we learn from Donna Baptista? she was preaching? Jesus Christ is our advocate. He's our lawyer. He stands before us. He says, Father, my blood was shed for Chris... My blood was shed for Ron. My blood was shed for David. My blood was shed for Trish. I stand here and I declare they are not guilty. Whatever the enemy may say about them. Whatever he may say and accuse them of. They are not guilty. They are justified. And that word justified means just as if you've never sinned. That's how God looks at you. Who, will, who is then is the one who condemns? And it's an emphatic no one. Can you say that? No one. Can you say it again? No one. No one, no one condemns us. Who is he who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And so Paul takes it to another level. He says the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, but not only is the Holy Spirit interceding for you and praying for you, that you will come through this whole process of justification into glorification. Not only is the Holy Spirit praying for you, but Jesus himself is praying for you. He's interceding for you. I mean, that is amazing to think about that. That God is praying to Jesus, your elder brother, the Lord and King of all is interceding for you to have a deeper relationship and to walk into the things that God has for you. It is a spiritual battle, but we have more on our side than the enemy has on his. More strength, more power. And then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, the Apostle Paul went through all those things. He understood it by experience. He says, that is written for your sake. We face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And he quoted a verse from the Psalms. What he was saying here is, look at, nothing's going to be able to separate me from God's love and nothing is going to be able to separate you from God's love because God's love is so much more powerful than anything that this world can throw at us. And he says, let that be the anchor for your soul. Yesterday I read a letter posted online from a pastor in Wuhan, China, and he was describing what it's like... When he left his home, he wrote this, I think, on the 21st of January. And he says, when I leave my home, I'm not sure what's happening, whether I will contract the virus or not. I wear a mask, I take precautions. But at this time, I believe the Spirit of God is telling me to have courage and boldness to proclaim the gospel during this time. And then he goes on to say they're facing a great testing of their faith. Do you know how many people live in Wuhan, China? Over 11 million. It's greater than the population of New York City. And it's shut down. You can't get out, you can't get in. They're running out of supplies. They're running out of masks and even medicines. There's 11 million people trapped in that city. And here's this pastor. And he's asking us to pray for peace in the midst of a disaster. And he's saying, if I die, I want to die as an overcomer. As it says in these verses in Romans. He quotes these verses in Romans. These are what he's holding on to. These words. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or the coronavirus. Nothing can separate us. I'm considered as a sheep for the slaughter. People are waiting for me to die. But I am going to continue to proclaim Christ. And he says, nothing can separate us from Christ. And then he calls for the church. Please pray for us. That we would stand strong. Apostle Paul says, no, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, even in these things. Can you say all these things? All these things. There it is again. All these things. I can work. You know, I've been living for Jesus for over 40 years now. I can tell you, there are times when I say, God, I don't know why you allowed this to happen. But then I wait. And sometimes... Not about 90% of the time, I can see God's hand and why he allowed it to happen. There's 10%. <laughs> I I'll guess I'll find out in heaven. But some people only focus on that 10% and they say, uh, now how could a good God allow this to happen? They're not seeing the whole picture. The good God allowed his son to die on the cross for us. The most wicked, horrific death you could ever have. Hanging naked on a cross for us. Humiliated. How could the creator, the one that created everything, humble himself to do that for us? Because he loved us. And that love is still the same today. For I am convinced, and this is what you and I have got to get we have to be convinced you have to be convinced and if you're not convinced then you need to do a little bit more study you need to really do a little more research because your eternal soul is in the balance here to be convinced For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying there's nothing that can separate us. You know what happens when you become convinced of that love? You're able to live like the Apostle Paul lived. With no regrets fully committed, understanding your purpose, your identity, and your mission in life. And to understand those things through the power of the Holy Spirit, urging you on. I'm not saying you're going to be as great as the Apostle Paul. You know, you might have a tremendous influence in this world, God may choose you to do something fantastic, but He's also looking at your marriage. He's also looking at how you parent. He's also looking at how you live your life in school with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to take the little step to follow Him and and live in the power of His Spirit. You see, when we get a hold of these things God gives us the strength to live for him. You know, I received that note from Lori, and I believe the Holy Spirit used it. It was a letter to me, and she, didn't, she wasn't angry. She was honest. She, wasn't, she didn't nag me about it. But eventually, we found time, somehow, with three kids... We found a parking lot across from our street. I believe God ordained it. <laughs> we lived in this, this, this parking lot. This parking lot was across the street. It was all fenced in. And we were able to keep our front door screen locked. Had bars on it. Our three kids had grown up. The youngest was probably three or four. The oldest was ten. But every morning we'd walk around, across the street. About a It's about a quarter mile and we walk in circles we talk and we pray together for years and we did it every morning almost every morning when it was bad weather out or something happened it wasn't every morning believe me it wasn't every morning but it was enough that it gave us a way to communicate and a way to keep us steady with each other and with the lord you know what's going to happen tonight but what is, what is tonight Super Bowl, right. Super Bowl is tonight. You know that there's going to be over 100 million people watching a football game. They're going to bet millions of dollars on that football game. They even bet on the toss of the corn, coin. People bet thousands of dollars on the toss of the coin. Oh, it going to be heads or tails. And they're going to say they wager over $200 million in bets in the U.S. alone. And the NFL will make an estimated $1 billion on this game tonight. $1 billion. And in the grand scheme of things, I can't remember who won last year's Super Bowl. (laughs) It wasn't who won the year before. I don't know. What I'm saying is the Apostle Paul looked back. And he's telling us to look back at the cross and he's saying, don't lose sight of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. It's bigger than a Super Bowl, it's bigger than any other event in your life. But to appropriate that, how does God want us to do that? Well, here's some action steps. First of all, I would, I would encourage you to reread Romans 8, 28 to 39 this week. Look it up in your Bible, on your phone. Read it once with your head, then once with your heart. Secondly, begin to appropriate the promises and the truth of Romans 8, what it says, putting your name and your circumstances in with those verses. Like, for Al is convinced. That neither death nor life, you know, like, no, in all these things, Al, we have more, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Put your name in there, read it with your heart. Pray out loud the promises the Spirit reveals to you and for others, and listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And then live in confident love of God this week and share that love with others. There is something powerful when we live in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is like a relationship. It takes time. Lori and I had to work on having a good marriage. We had to work at it. I blew it so many times. We had to work at it. And this relationship with God, there has to be this... uh, desire to want to know God and to follow Him. Because you could end up really confused in this life, really off track, just following yourself and what you think is right. Or you can live being led by the power of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit in your life and the Word of God. And allow God to take you where He wants you to go, step by step. Let's pray. Father God, we know that uh, You have called us to live in relationship with You through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we know Your Holy Spirit is in us, but Lord, we want You to have us. So we surrender our lives to You. We even think about Communion. as we prepare for communion today, we ask that, Lord, even as we partake of the bread and when we take of the juice, we'll think about what Paul said. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not me, but Christ lives in me. And so, Lord, we pray that we'll surrender to you our lives, our situations, and pray this in Jesus' name.